How many of us think that it was hypogenic, hypoallergenic hay? How many of us wonder, were the linens washed and cleaned and ironed as Mary showed up on time at the stable? And I wonder as you watch the video, the perfect part about the video is when the star is coming up and Joseph gets like whacked in the head, right? It's kind of like, it's about to knock him out as he's in this picture perfect manger scene. I've got one of those. I've got blow up Jesus at my house and all I do, I plug him in and all of a sudden my whole neighborhood knows, right? That, well, I believe in this manger scene. But I wonder if that scene looked a little bit different 2,000 years ago. I wonder if we've kind of made it pretty, if we've kind of made it, well, 21st century acceptable so that, well, we can plug in Jesus and he's like a blow-up cartoon baby. I wonder if Mary really was like glow-in-the-dark. Oh, I'm not knocking the scene. Please don't take that for anything. But I'm wanting us just this Christmas to possibly consider something a little bit different. Maybe what it was, maybe what it wasn't. You see, this has been going on in the church for a long time. It's in Galatians, about 50 years after this incredible birth of Jesus, the church is already starting to add, starting to subtract, starting to make it something that it wasn't. And so Paul, in Galatians chapter 4, he's got to, well, he's got to talk to the church. He's got to express to them the truth as to what this very first Christmas was all about. It's Galatians chapter 4. Listen to what he says in the first verse. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Now remember, he's talking to the church 50 years after the birth of Christ, and he's wanting them to get back to the simplicity and to the heart of Christmas. Well, there's nothing like Christmas, gang. There's something special about Christmas time. Truly, it's like no other time of the year. People take weeks and months to prepare for this season. And whether it's putting in for your vacation or purchasing your tickets to come and see family, and if you've moved out of California because you couldn't afford to live here, come back. It's making it worse for the rest of us. We're glad you're home, and listen, truly, how glad we are, friends and families, that you would take the time and come home. It's not just that. Oh, it's going through your bins of Christmas so that your house can explode Christmas with Christmas decorations and putting up the lights and hanging up the stockings. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Even my son. My son, we, as we were taking out our bins, and we've got about six, right? So as we're taking out our bins and everything stored in the garage, it's like, how many bins do you need for this four-week period of time? My son says to me, time, and he goes, Dad, I really want to do a good Christmas this year. Well, after I got over being offended, thinking what he thought of the Christmas the previous year, I began to think about what he said. You see, I've got the blow-up manger scene. 
plug it in and everybody knows I've got the tree that goes up and every year we try to do a different decoration. This year we did sugar cookies and it took us about three weeks to actually finish. They just got on the tree a couple of days ago. And so it's we try to do these Christmas traditions even in our own home. But his question, it really made me think. You see, I know what my son was thinking. I know what his heart was. He puts a Christmas village up every year and it's what his Christmas truly is all about. But it made me think just a little bit. What does it really mean to do a good Christmas this year? Well, as I began to think, I began to wonder what this season has become in compared to what it truly was the very first Christmas. Surely it wasn't the same. There was no fanfare at the birth of Jesus. No, the fanfare, oh, the fanfare was for one who was called the Son of God. Now, not the one you're thinking of. Listen as I read, you'll see it on the screen. It's Luke chapter two. You know the story better than me. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And Joseph, he also went up from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I emphasized when I read Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of the deified Julius Caesar. And he became known throughout the entire Roman world as the son of God. Did you hear that? It was through his reign that that phrase began to be justified because Roman culture went through a renaissance during his reign. The arts, oh, they proliferated. Greek education was exalted. Estates, oh, estates were magnified and they were magnificent as they tried to keep up with Augustus's buildings in Rome. They built them throughout the entire Roman world. They were competing for the aesthetics and the architecture as to who could outdo the other. Monumentous temples were put up of Augustus all over the Roman world. Rome expanded geographically, militarily, and economically. Roads? Oh, every road leads to Rome. And they were placed throughout the entire Roman world so the military, much like our interstates, could get wherever they needed to get to for an evasion at any point. The world? Oh, the world at that time, everybody spoke Greek. Everybody was learning Latin. It was the language of the first century world. And Augustus, oh, as the son of small g, God, he initiated, well, a policy. And this policy, it was called the Pax Romana. And there was to be peace in all of the land at all costs in the Roman world. And for Augustus, oh, that meant control at all costs, especially for the rebellious Jewish population in Palestine. So King Herod, ordered by Augustus, King Herod, you know his name, he had worked up the Roman favor by his ruthless rule, and he quelled any kind of rebellion against Rome in Israel. He was a puppet king of Augustus, and he ensured that there would be peace in Palestine. And at every turn, Jews in Israel were reminded they were under occupation. And whether it was the Roman law, 
oh, Roman law, that if a Roman soldier forced you to go one mile, you had to go. No wonder Jesus would say if someone forces you to go one mile, go two. He was going above the law. It was whether it was the, the taxes that were going on in the Roman world. And if you couldn't pay the taxes, oh, they took your inherited land. They took your family, your sons, and your daughters. Truly, the fullness of time had come. And what Paul is trying to get across to the church, don't forget the simplicity of Christmas. The Jews were desperate. They were desperate for a reformer. They were desperate for a redeemer. They were, re they were desperate for someone to save them from their heavy load that was put on them by the Romans. No wonder Anna, you know her story, 84 years old, when she saw the eight-day-old Christ, she went running out of the temple and she wanted to proclaim, redemption has come to Israel. Not just Anna. Oh, Simeon, the prophet, here he was, there in the temple. He pronounces the Messiah has come. He is from God. He is God. Emmanuel, God with us. But not only did Paul want to remind the church that he was from God, oh, he was fully God, but he then goes on to say in Galatians chapter 4 that he, Jesus, was born of a woman. You see, Paul is making it sure, letting the church know not only was he fully God, being born of a woman, he was fully man, fully man. He would go through all the temptations. He would go through all of the struggles of life. He was a human being and fully God, and he was born of this woman. Okay? She was an incredible woman. The Bible says that she had favor with God, Mary. She even said that herself that she would be called highly blessed because she knew God's favor, God's grace was upon her in the same way we're blessed. In the same way God's grace is upon us, we as well are highly favored. And as the song goes for Mary, there was no question in Mary's mind as to what child is this. Oh, she knew. If she was to be asked today, 2,000 years later, Mary, did you know? We would hear her tell the very same thing she told Luke 2,000 years ago. Listen to what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. For he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has helped his servant Israel. This is not blow up Jesus. No, this is not blow up Mary. Surely Mary wasn't timid. She wasn't fearful. She wasn't afraid. She was courageous, valiant, strong, and resolute. For when the angel appeared to this teenage little girl, Humbly she submitted to the will of the Father and she said, let it be to me according to your word. Do you know what that meant for her? Do you know what it meant after three months of being with Elizabeth and now you're showing and you come home after being away and now they can see you're pregnant? Do you realize she was willing to subject herself to shame in her community? 
that she, even before Jesus was born, she was willing to say in her prayer, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Jesus wasn't even born yet, but she was willing to proclaim victory because she believed in the power of the nativity. Mary, she trusted God. She trusted God in his word despite her current circumstance. Truly, we can say of Mary, she was highly favored. She was blessed among women. And in the confidence of what the angel spoke to her after she gave birth, not in a hypoallergenic hospital bed, not with clean linens, but placing this baby in a manger, trusting God despite what she was walking through, she named him Jesus because that's what she was told to name him. And this word, so much power in a name. His name means to save. So Paul wanted to remind the church, oh church, don't stray from the truth of this first Christmas morn. He goes on in his letter to the Galatian church and he says this, this Jesus was born to redeem those who were under the law. And I want you to hear that word redeem. Because this is what truly Christmas was. And could it be, I have a question, that all the lights, the fanfare, the parades, the parties, has been designed by another to keep us too busy from celebrating what it truly twasn't. For if he came to redeem, now let me explain what that word means. It means that he came to pay the price of our sin. What greater tactic of his enemy than to replace what it was with what it wasn't to keep people from knowing they can be redeemed. This is why Paul was writing the church. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying. And have we come to think Christmas is something that it's not? Have we come to think as long as we plug in Mother Mary, she blows up on our yard, this is what Christmas is when there is something we need more than Santa checking his list twice to see if we've been naughty or nice. Gang, I've been naughty this year. Anyone else been naughty? Raise your hand if you have been naughty. Okay, anyone, come on, support me here. Anyone else been naughty? Okay, yeah, two hands up on this side, right? We know naughty, okay? Some of you were naughty today on Christmas Eve. It's like the day before Jesus' birthday. I can't believe that you would do that, right? That's the point. The truth is this year we've all been naughty. We've all been nice. The truth is we are all in need of one gift this year. Because the truth is we've been born under the law. The same way that he was, we are. And this law is the law of God. It was the way to get to heaven. And you had to live up to this law. Otherwise, there is no way for us to get to heaven. Perfection is the only way to get to heaven. It was God's requirement. And the law... The law was only to show us there was no way for us to do it. The law was only to reveal to us that we were in need of a savior. The law was there for all of us to know we needed redemption. We need the gift of his son. And Jesus, Jesus knew in the heavenlies that not one of us could live up to God's standard of perfection. 
He knew that not one of us could fulfill every law. He knew that there would be naughty and he knew that there would be nice. And because he loves us, he did something about it. He's fully God. He came from God. He lived a sinless life because he is God. And because he is God, he knew that he could do it for us and he knew that we couldn't do it. And as he grew, oh, as this child grew, He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. He never sinned. And even though he was tempted and even though there were things about him, he proved over and over and over and over again he was without sin. In fact, when he was tried by Pilate, Pilate could not find anything wrong with him. He was sent to Herod. Herod could not find anything wrong with him. And when he went before the Sanhedrin, oh, they had to bring in false witnesses just so they could lie on the name of Jesus because they knew that he had done nothing wrong. He was perfect. And in his perfection, he made a decision. I know you can't do it. I'll do it for you. And I will redeem you. I will pay the price of your sin. And gang, that price is death. It's being separated from God for an eternity. And he wanted none of us to be separated from God. And so he came as a baby, fully God and fully man. He lived the sinless life. He paid our penalty, but then he rose again. He conquered death by rising again. And now he sits on the throne. And because he conquered death, he can give each one of us eternal life. And gang, the only thing that you can do with a gift at Christmas is receive it. And that's what Paul told the church. It's a simple truth of Christmas. He says in Galatians 4, chapter 5, so that we might receive adoption as sons. If we believe that he came to redeem and we choose to receive, then we can be part of the family. Now, I don't know about you, but people, people search endlessly for the perfect gift to give someone at Christmas. Don't tell my kids I found theirs at Walmart. But I'm going to wrap it with shiny paper. I'm going to tie it with a ribbon. I'm going to put a bow and place it right on top. And my kids are not going to turn away the gift that I got them. And let me tell you why. Because they know I love them. And they know that I've thought about this gift. They know I'm their dad. And they know that I know what they really have and what they really need on their list. And I find it amazing. I find it amazing that God, God, God who created us, knows our deepest longing, offers us a gift, a gift that we've been asking for. And he gives us the ability to choose this gift or reject him. He's our father. He knows what's on the Christmas slips. He knew exactly what gift to give. Listen, you know the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. Gang, he came to redeem us. And if we choose to receive him, we can be in relationship with God. This is what Paul was trying to get across. It's what I'm repeating Paul's words. They were straying away from what Christmas truly was, so he brought them back to what it really is. And he says, listen, Galatians 4, as he writes this letter, because Jesus has gone to heaven, he's given us his spirit that we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, if you're a believer here today, you know Abba Daddy. You know Abba Father well because His Spirit's in you. You are in relationship. You have believed that Jesus is the Redeemer. You've received Him as your Savior. And now you're in relationship. And let me tell you how you know you know. It's like a child at Christmas, right? Kids are so excited about the connection at Christmas. All the aunts and all the uncles and all the grandparents and my mom is here and we're going to get together with Zach and Audrey and it's like family. It's like we're together and everybody is just excited to have the connection. It's family, gang. That's what family does. It's a conviction. You see, when you're in relationship with Jesus, you're convicted. It's like, oh, one Christmas, one of our kids came walking in and I could tell just by looking at their face, something had gone wrong. Well, they grabbed my hand and walked me into the living room and then I saw it. The entire tree was down on the ground. They, at their precious young little age, was trying to reach, I'm sure, for something and just grabbed a branch and brought the tree down so that they could get what they wanted. But they knew they'd done something wrong. I could see it. We're in relationship. And as a believer, we're convicted. We know when we've done something wrong and we go to the dad. We go to the father. But conviction is more than just if you've done something wrong. No, as a believer, I'm convicted to stand for what I know is true. Because I'm in relationship? Oh, it's a compassion. Because Jesus forgave me. I've got compassion to forgive others, to purpose, to sacrifice for others the way that he sacrificed for me. As a believer, I want to honor God because I'm in relationship with my dad. But for me, in the midst of my trial, there's nothing more comforting than running in my room and saying, Abba, Daddy, Father, help me. See, I'm a believer, and this relationship is real. This relationship is spiritual, and this relationship is available to all who would believe that he came to, re to redeem. All you have to do is receive to be in a relationship. This is what Paul was trying to get across to the Galatians. Don't stray. Don't go away from the true heart meaning of Christmas. This is truly the reason for the season. God gave his son a helpless babe for a helpless people that you would be his adopted child. Now the whole known world, they, they were ready. They understood this son of God mentality because Augustus was going around claiming himself as the son of God. He was a false son of God. And so in the fullness of time, God sent his son, the true son of God. 
Everyone could hear the gospel. Oh, there were roads everywhere. You could take the gospel anywhere. And 500 people, they took the gospel to the whole known world because they believed. They spoke one language. It was Greek. They were able to tell everybody because they believed. And Augustus, where he used force and power to bring peace, Jesus, he brings a peace to your heart that surpasses understanding. That no matter what trial you're going through, no matter what experience you may have, Jesus will give you a peace that passes understanding. Gang, don't allow what it's become to have you misunderstand what it truly was. And maybe, maybe the fullness of time has come for you. And maybe as we've all taken the time to prepare for Christmas morning, oh, we've gone shopping, we have bought the food. How many were in Costco, man? The line was to the back. And how much of that pumpkin pie do you actually eat? All of this time, all of this money, all of this effort spent for one day. I wonder if we take the same amount of time and effort towards our life to prepare for an eternity. I wonder if we could think for a moment when we get to heaven, it's Christmas morning like every morning. Like he's right there. Like you Jesus hanging out like it's gifts and Christmas for an eternity and the joy and the peace that you feel oh it's faith it's a faith in Jesus Christ so I wrote my own poem you may like it you may not it's my poem I don't care Twas the night before Christmas and all through this house the spirit is moving, even on my spouse. The word has been taught and given with care. Now it's your choice. We've made you aware. The king came as a baby to take on our plight. Now that's a good story. And to all, a good night.